No, it's actually been a very long time since I've actually, you know, listened to corn music. <laughs> what is up, OTC listeners? Listening to another episode of the OTC Outside the Comics podcast. I'm your host, Mike Garcia, and we are now on episode 10. Oh, man, like, for a while, I didn't really think that we would actually get this far. Actually, I'm lying. I did think we would get this far, and I'm going to continue to keep on going as it comes. <laughs> oh, man. It is Wednesday, May 30th. I know I was supposed to do an episode yesterday, but things got a little bit overwhelming because of a pre-graduation ceremony that I had. And tomorrow, which is the 31st, is my actual graduation day. And ironic enough, it still hasn't sunk in yet. It still hasn't sunk in that I'm finally get to become a college graduate. I don't know what it is. I think it's because, you know, like a lot of people have been going to school for so long and I'm finally pursuing the path that I want to be in involving, you know, the entertainment industry and comic books and, you know, anything that I like, like sports, entertainment, and UFC fights and so on and so forth. So I'm very excited. I'm, I'm excited to see what my future is going to unfold. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't really have any immediate plans except to work as much as I can to save as much money as I need to because in a couple of years, I want to try my best to move over to L.A. I think that's where my goals and dreams and ambitions are going to be. But until then, I will have to gain as much experience as I can. So tomorrow, graduation ceremony, my family is going to be there. It's going to be an exciting time. It's going to be an exciting time indeed. Uh, Once again, this podcast will be featured once a week, every Tuesday night. And for any reason I can't do it Tuesday, then definitely the very next day. I'm trying to become as consistent as humanly possible. And we've had a lot of news. We had a lot of, I wouldn't say breaking news. It's more of a hashtag ain't shit going on night but at the same time there's always something going down especially in the comic book world that you myself and everyone around us is actually into first uh you know want to point out that you know avengers infinity war broke onto actually no it got onto 1.9 billion dollars globally like worldwide in the box office and i predicted it would go over two i believe that number may get a little bit more higher maybe in the next couple of weeks what's very interesting is as i was going to the theater because i did say i was going to see deadpool 2 again black panther is still in theaters as well so that movie is still monumental and that came out february 12th if i'm not mistaken so it's definitely in the middle of February, but even that was monumental in terms of the revolution that it had over the audience as a whole. And I believe Infinity War is going to be, you know, just the same, if not bigger. Speaking of Infinity War, uh, if you haven't pre-ordered your DVD or your Blu-ray copy, it's going to be dropping on July 31st. And that's 16 days after my birthday, so I'm definitely going to be excited to see that because my roommates still haven't seen it, and I don't think they will see it anytime soon. So I'm going to give them a little treat. I'm going to buy the DVD, and we're just going to pop it in like a uh, home video. 
you know, get some popcorn, and a lot of soda, you know, let's, let's just be fat, let's just be fat for one night, and just enjoy the epicness of Avengers 3, you know, you know what I'm saying, ah, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> but anyway, let's get down to business, shall we, had a few questions, not a lot, but a few good questions that's been uh, going down, um, before I get into it, I just want to take this time to talk about in terms of what this episode is going to be. First, they're going to be fan questions, and then we're going to do another in-depth review on Deadpool 2. Uh, as I said, I saw it again with my homeboy that I grew up with, my brother from another mother. And um, I'm going to repeat a few things that I said from my last episode and there are going to be a couple of things that's going to seem controversial, but at the same time, I figured, you know what, I'm just going to speak my mind because it's my show. It's what I want. It's what I want to do. Anyway, geeky questions. Near questions. All right, let's begin, shall we? Uh, first of all, breaking, uh, I wouldn't say, keeps on saying breaking news. <laughs> breaking news. Breaking news. News just in, Jamie Foxx starring in the new Spawn reboot. What are your thoughts on that? Um, let's see. It's very, it's very interesting because uh, we haven't really seen Spawn since 1997. And this can be both viewed as a good thing and a bad thing. First, let me just uh, dive right into it. If you guys don't remember, Spawn is this hellish, uh, dark superhero that has been produced by uh, Image Comics. One of the co-founders, Todd McFarlane, uh, actually wrote and created uh, Spawn from the 90s. I believe uh, the comics was issued way before then, but yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely around the 90s, especially when I grew up. And um, for Jamie Foxx to star into this reboot, I don't really have an opinion on it. I mean, Jamie Foxx is a good actor. I believe a lot of his movies aren't really doing so well. Um, whenever we think about actors... Huh, that's weird. My phone's just buzzed. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Yes, whenever we think about actors portraying certain roles, like, there's always that one key defining role that makes an actor like who he is. In other words, when you see him portray a particular person in a movie that we see, and that person knocks that out of the park so well, we kind of envision him for it. And sometimes we grew up with that character and... We're like, okay, you are born to be that person. Case in point, uh, um, Robert Downey Jr., you know, born to play Tony Stark, Iron Man, right? He's born for the role, absolutely killed it. Um, let's see, who else? Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter. You won't see anyone else play that character. Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, slash Logan. You obviously chances are they're going to recast him very, very soon, but you really don't see anyone else because you grew up with him. He made that character his own. So uh to get back to my point, for Jamie Foxx to play Spawn, 
I don't really have much of an opinion on it because I don't want to judge a book by its cover. Um, the last time we saw him in an actual superhero or supervillain type role was when he played Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Now, although that movie had a lot of negative reviews and it's been deemed unworthy in the Spider-Man franchise uh, by critics and reviewers and, you know, fans of Spider-Man, someone including myself, he actually played himself to be really good because he was sympathetic to the point where you kind of understood his motivation and you kind of understood why he went batshit crazy especially in the film so for jamie fox to play spawn um i like i said i really don't have much of an opinion on it uh if it seems good on paper i need to wait for the execution um for those of you who don't remember who spawn is spawn uh, is a soldier slash assassin. His name is Al Simmons, and he gets betrayed and murdered. Uh, there are, there are different versions of comics and from the movies. I'm just remembering off of the movies. He gets betrayed. He gets murdered by uh the military which he served into. He then gets resurrected as a demonic superhero, and he's trying to lead Hell's army to wage war against Hearth. Uh, Hearth. <laughs> Who the fuck is Hearth? Uh, he's trying to wage war against Earth and Heaven, and he chooses not to, and then that's pretty much your plot right there, right? So, the 1997 version of the film was played by Michael J. White, and although the movie was somewhat okay, at least in my eyes, and in other eyes it was like butchering the character and it's completely... In my opinion, the one who really made that movie to what it is was uh, John Leguizamo as a demonic clown. I for completely forgot who the who the um, who the clown's name was. The Violator, yes, the Violator. Yeah, I, I'm not the victimizer or the 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 vaporizer. I am the Violator. Yeah, that's now now it's all coming back to me. <laughs> oh man, it's amazing how memories work nowadays. So. That's pretty much the plot in terms of who Spawn is. If you definitely want to learn more about Spawn or have an accurate reading about Spawn, look up the history of Spawn on YouTube from Variant Comics. Variant Comics does a lot of in-depth history about certain characters, certain groups, like the Avengers, like Justice League, Spawn, Spider-Man, Batman, Iron Man, you name it, they can do a, a, a history of it, a full in-depth history, and they'll even give you comic recommendations on what to read, either on your phone, your local comic book store, whichever the case, right? So definitely check them out. I check them out nearly every day for knowledge in, in superheroes that I like, knowledge of superheroes that I haven't heard of before, variant comics, go check them out. So getting back to Spawn, uh, the 1997 version had a lot of negative reviews. So HBO, a couple of years, I could, no, not a couple of years, a couple of months later, um, Spawn was actually so popularized in the comic book genre that HBO decided to release an animated series that's 18 episodes long, three seasons in total from 1997 all the way to 1999. It was released as a D um, on DVD as a film series. It had full of action, horror, uh, suspense, and of course the superhero genre. 
And the animated series was so gritty, it was graphic, it was raunchy, and it was pretty much everything that a comic book fan and, you know, like an animation fan would actually want, especially in a dark superhero theme. Think of Batman and a demonic being having a baby. That's who Spawn is, and that's what the animated series was uh, like, like portrayed basically. If you haven't checked it out, go look it up on uh, go look it up on YouTube. Todd McFarlane's Spawn: The Animated Series. If it's not on YouTube, I'm sure you can find anything on the internet. You can try to stream it. Um, I don't think it's on. Uh, HBO Go, you can try it there, but, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you can definitely check it out and try to enjoy it, and if that's not enough to convince you, remember Keith David voiced Spawn, and if you don't know who that is, you know, voice actor, comedian, uh, full, uh, full-time actor, just Google him up, and you're gonna be like, oh yeah, Keith David, I know that guy, I know him from, uh, the barbershop, or... Uh, uh, you know, the other demonic, uh, demo- I keep on saying demonic roles, other roles, you know, so, little things like that. Uh, as I said, it, Image Comics was co-founded by Todd McFarlane, and it's an American book publisher, and they're very, and they're responsible for creating dark, gritty, like, underworld-type comics, like things that can, that seems extremely graphic, that's very, not similar, but extremely different from the DC comics and the Marvel comics that we're all used to reading. So, uh, they're responsible for the comics of The Walking Dead, um, and Witchblade. If you guys don't remember Witchblade, I give that recommendation to read too, even the animated series. Not really animated series, but it's anime in general. Uh, very sexy, by the way. Just, just want to point out there. Tons and tons of fan service. Tons of it. Tons of it. (laughs) So, to get back to the question. Jamie Foxx in Spawn. Todd McFarlane's, uh, film adaptation debut. You know. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. What, um... How the execution is. You know, we'll we'll see what happens on... If it's good, we can try to enjoy it. And if it's dark and gritty and suspenseful and awesome and it's true horrifying and it's a thriller instead of the actual um, cliche comic book movies that we're all used to, sign me up. I'll, I'll watch it. Here's my issue with this, though. Um... The producers, the production itself is Blumhouse Productions. And it's reported that this Spawn reboot is only going to have a budget of 10 to $12 million. So you can try to view this as a negative or a positive, And now let me explain why. Blumhouse Productions is notorious for creating low-budget horror films. They've done great work. Like Get Out, written by Jordan Peele, who just won an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, by the way. Let me, I'll, I'll point that out. Jordan Peele, Get Out. Um, Sinister, the Insidious franchise. 
Um, Whiplash, which is my t- one of my top ten favorite films ever. Uh, so they do produce good work. Other times they don't. You know, it's it, other times they they can drop the ball and they can drop the ball big. For example, The Darkness. I don't remember who that uh, who was in it. I I just saw the movie and I'm like, yeah, this is not for me. Um, the Lazarus Effect. Good execution, but poor. Actually, no, poor execution. Good ideas, but it 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 just. Watch that film on your own free time. If if you're drunk or if you're high or whatever the hell you do, um, don't take drugs. Uh. I don't know, you, you do what you want. Um, watch that movie, and, and you'll see what I mean. Uh, what's another one that just recently came out? Truth or Dare. Yes, that movie was laughable. Laughable. Uh, Blumhouse Productions is responsible for those types of movies. So, with Blumhouse, it's either a hit or miss. Especially if they're going to be... The corporate, uh, the actual production of this Spawn reboot, um, with ten to twelve million dollars, I have huge skeptical hippo eyes about this because the nineteen ninety seven version had a budget of forty million dollars, and that and their CGI was crappy. But then again, ninety CGI is not really up to par with how it is now, so it's a little unfair for me to fault that movie because uh, based on that alone. So, if they have very, very little budget to work on for this reboot, they better spend the majority of time to, con- to have a convincing story that we as the audience get to follow. And the CGI with, you know, Spawn's cape and the demonic figures and maybe a few demons and maybe the, uh, the, the Violator can come back, which he most likely will. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um... All I'm saying is use the budget wisely. Like, focus more on the story and not so much as a visual storytelling type thing. But, again, if you want to learn more, look up Variant Comics on YouTube. uh, Get yourself a copy of the Spawn Comics on your local comic book store or X Comics on your phone. Or, do what I suggested. Check out the animated series because it is Good. It is good. Probably ranked up with Batman the Animated Series. I, I'd say I'd say just up there. Oh man, I spent a lot of time on this question. Whew, moving on. We still have a couple of questions to go before we dive into Deadpool. Uh let's see. Next question. Um Garcia, what are your thoughts on Zachary Levi as Shazam trolling memes on Batman v Superman and other DC content? Does it make you excited to see the movie? Is he DC's Deadpool? Um, I talked about this like vividly in, I, I believe it was one of my first episodes of this podcast. I really, really, really don't care much about Shazam. And I'm really sorry to say that. I'm sure I'm going to get a few haters about this. I really don't care much about Shazam. I I know he embodies 
the stereotypical kid that wants to grow up to be a superhero so he finally has a chance of saying of actually doing the thing and he yells out Shazam and then bolt of lightning hits him and he turns into this muscular John Cena looking dude by the way I thought for sure it was going to be John Cena when they announced The Rock Dwayne Johnson as Black Adam I thought for sure John Cena was going to take the role um I I it probably would not have been taken seriously maybe the WWE would have had something to do with the production or at least the budget in some way I thought for sure John Cena was going to be Shazam but anyway moving on um does it get me excited not really um I saw a couple of the memes where you know uh Batman v Superman is facing each other uh towards the ending of the uh towards the beginning of the third act and um you know that moment where uh Superman goes you don't understand there's no time and he, and then Batman goes I understand and then that brief shot you just see Shazam in the background and he's and he's having an icy like like a red fruit punch or something like a red soda or something or something whatever the hell he's drinking and he just looks at the camera and he's like smiling or he's snickering like a child would cuz obviously he is a child um I see this and I see you know a couple of other pictures that has to do with him and I'm still not convinced Maybe I would have to see a trailer of Shazam. Maybe I would have to um, read a particular comic about him. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just I, I can't I can't get into him. Uh, does it make me excited? Not really. I mean, I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to review it. Um, like I said, this is just my personal opinion. Uh, so don't wish I was dead for not liking Shazam as well as other people do uh is he's okay I guess but like I said like I said I would have to see I would have to see him in in the uh, in in his film which should be coming this upcoming year I believe it's the end of 2019 I don't know I would have to look more into that as far as him being DC's Deadpool I don't know like he's not really a fourth wall breaker I mean, if he's the type of guy or the superhero that would make jokes and quips, um, it can't be forced. Uh, I don't really know Shazam to be that type of way. Um, the only real footage that I've ever had of Shazam or I've ever seen him in is the the and the the Justice League animated movie Justice League War. And I think that's the closest thing that I've seen Shazam in. Oh, and the Injustice game uh, for the PS3. Um, yeah, but aside from that, I, I really don't care. We just have to wait and see. Alright, next question. Uh, got a couple here. Alright, so... When do you think they will... Uh, release Wonder Woman's new battle gear in her next movie. Um, maybe towards the end of the year when Aquaman hits. 
Um, in terms of what my opinion is on it, I mean, I haven't really seen the thing. Um, there were rumors and reports that she's going to be more covered up. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and this is just me speculating, this is just me speculating, I'd say from the backlash that Wonder Woman has gotten and what Batman, uh, not Batman v Superman, um, the Justice League have received on the Amazonians or the Amazons from Themyscira being too revealing, I think Warner Brothers is really taking that to heart because they're afraid of pissing any more people off. So therefore, they want to make a statement in terms of introducing this new battle gear in order to cover Wonder Woman up a little bit more and have her be like an actual crime fighter with a suit of armor instead of a woman in skirts and, you know, full chest plate or whichever who occasionally fights. Um, if you remember in the Justice League movie, there were a couple of shots of her buttocks. There were a couple of ass shots. Let, let's, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put it bluntly. There were a couple, uh, there were definitely a couple of ass shots, uh, especially from the first act when she was stopping, uh, that, that mini building from exploding. Uh, I think this is Warner Brothers decision of covering, of covering her up a bit more. I don't know if we're going to do the same thing with the other Amazons from Themyscira. I don't know if Cheetah, even though she's supposed to be full of fur, I don't know if she's going to get covered up a lot. Um, but this is my speculation. Again, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe this is just a new upgrade of her armor and her looking more badass to get in ready for the next DC Extended Universe movie. Who knows? Who, who knows? I just hope the colors pop. In terms of post-production, when they edit the film, I hope the colors are more vibrant. I hope that um, just like the first uh, Wonder Woman movie that we that we saw, uh, the colors really, really stand out. That's not really a color type guy, but I I don't know. I I, I like it when a superhero like has bright, bright colors in some instances, not all, but some. But that's just me. That's just me. Alright. Last question. Let's see. With all of the increase in babies being named after Marvel characters, what would you choose your future boy or girl to be? Ah. <laughs> I see what you did there. See, I can't really answer that because we all know full well that women have ultimate control in terms of who's naming the kids' names. Um, so that I would have to leave to my baby mama in the future. Oh, by the way, I'm single now. Yeah, that's, that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what would I choose for a boy? Um, if I had to pick, I would have to say Parker for a boy named after Peter Parker and Natasha as uh as a girl named after obviously the Black Widow. But honestly, if we're really gonna go to choose balls to the walls here, I would probably choose something like Grayson, you know, after Nightwing as a boy, or Miguel O'Hara since he's my favorite Spider-Man out of all Spider-Men, 
from the Spider Universe. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm surely as hell not going to pick Jean Grey or, you know, uh, not there's anything wrong with it. I just, you know, I don't know. Just, just, you can choose better names. But, whoever is being named after the Marvel characters, hopefully uh, they won't get made fun of when they're in their adolescence because of their names. Because we all know that kids are geniuses at making fun of people because of their names. Which is fucking bullshit. It's a form of bullying that I don't like. Um, hopefully they own it. And hopefully they have fun with it. But that's going to do it for these questions, for nerd questions and geek questions. If you have any other questions, you can follow me on the MG Magnum on Twitter. And you can follow me at MGMagnum715 on Instagram. You can post any questions you like. And if you want any shoutouts, I'll be happy to do any shoutouts. If you want to uh, remain anonymous, that's completely up to you. Uh, as I said before... Check out Spawn, the HBO series, 18 episodes long, 25 to 30 minutes each, three seasons long. It is raunchy. I believe there's a couple of sex scenes full of murder and violence and all of that shit. Keith David being the voice. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens. Gotta Sometimes you got to be excited for the small things. <laughs> anyway... I'm going to try something a little new. I'm going to have a little transition. And we are going to dive into Deadpool 2. The in-depth review. In a few moments. We'll be right back. After these messages. You know, I kind of feel like there should be a little bit more choices when it comes to the transition pieces. You know, like something, uh, some, something a little like rock hard and heavy metal and just... <laughs> or maybe I can create my own. Nah, I'll probably come in time with the new laptop computer and whatnot. But anyway, uh, this is now part two of episode 10. And for this episode, we're going to dive more into the in-depth review on Deadpool 2. Deadpool! <laughs> Don't mind me, I'm in a good mood. Tomorrow, graduation! Anyway, <clears throat> so, Deadpool 2. Now, for this in-depth review, I'm going to talk about a lot of things that are a little bit controversial, some things that you might not agree with, but keep in mind, I'm trying to look at this from a different perspective, because the first time that I saw it, I was alone, and I was trying to dissect the film as best I can, and I tried my very best to stay away from other people's reviews and other people's critiques because I wanted to form my own hypothesis. I wanted to form my own thoughts in terms of what I thought about the movie as a whole, what I liked, what I disliked, and what I thought that they could have done better. So I did that again with seeing the second showing uh, this past weekend. And a lot of my opinions, they stayed the same, and a lot of them didn't. So, with that being said, I'm going to dive right into it, and we're going to 
take out all the negatives first, and then we go into the positives. And what I think uh, would be the very next step, like the very next thing that I would really, really love to see. All right. Like I said, this is just my personal opinion. So if you disagree with anything that I've said, and if you call me a stupid asshole that I have no idea what I'm talking about, you are entitled to your opinion as uh, as I am, you know, this is just completely my opinion. Um, oh yeah, spoilers for you know, you guys, but you've already you already know. Spoiler alert! Yeah, you already know that. All right. So first things first, what I didn't like about Deadpool two. Um, right off the top of my head, I don't like the fact that they killed off Vanessa literally in the first act. I can understand why. When the creators and the writers were, you know, making this movie, they needed Deadpool to have some kind of motivation for him to form uh, the X-Force to begin with. Because in the first film, he was pretty much a loner. He didn't want to side with anybody. He didn't want to join anybody's group. He was very hesitant to join Colossus and Negasonic and Teenage Warhead. He was a loner, pretty much. And... With this movie, they pretty much scratched all of that. They they did a complete 180 as a reason for him to form the X Force to begin with. I kind of felt like with him, uh, with them, in terms of you know the movie writers, producers, screen whatever the directors, by killing off Vanessa, you kind of make the first Deadpool movie pointless because in the first movie, it had a linear story. It was a love story. We understood Deadpool's connection to Vanessa. We understood like what was his reason. We under we we bought into the love. We bought into the connection and the deep feelings that they had for each other. And it it stayed that way literally from the from the beginning all the way to the end. Um the fact that in the second movie when they killed her off completely I kind of felt like they did the first movie so much disjustice that they were like, okay, we're going to introduce something else. We're going to introduce all these other new characters. We really don't have time for the lovey stuffy stuff. You've already seen it. This is now a family film, which is not really a family film per se. It has family elements, kind of not really, but... I'll explain more as as I continue to to dive into this. Uh, it is about family. It is about uniting. It is about um, having your friends and, and caring about the people that you care about and doing something for someone else. It is all about that. But by killing off Vanessa, I kind of feel like... Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to say the wrong thing here. They, to me, they just shouldn't have killed her off. They they really shouldn't. I feel like with her introduction in the second Deadpool movie, she could have added maybe just a little bit more in terms of the family value. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. I could be completely wrong. Maybe it was done on purpose. Maybe it needed to happen to push the story forward. And there's really no other way for. Deadpool to set the emotions and to set the emotions in terms of you know he did what he did so that's that's just my per se um killing off Vanessa I, I I just I just believe that was that was just a bad thing to do 
Um, second thing I didn't like about the movie, and I think I briefly touched upon this last time, the kid. I did not like him the first time. I did not like him the second time. Um, to me, in a lot of aspects, he was forcing his lines. I'm talking about Fire Fist, by the way. Um, I have I don't remember who the actor who played him. Um, I I want to call him Benjamin. I don't know why, but he, he kind of looks like a Ben. Maybe Big Ben. I don't. I don't fucking care. I. I. I, I that, that's how much. That's how much this kid annoyed me. Like I. I. I really don't care much about this kid. Russell. That's his character's name. Russell. When you call him Russ. Ross. Russ. Um. I kind of felt like there were a lot of times where he was forcing his lines a little bit too much, and it just. It came more annoying than anything else. Like, there were a couple of lines where you knew that it was kind of forced. Where he, like, in towards the end where he destroyed an entire building and tried to get, um, he tried to kill the guy who was torturing him. And he's like, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, just, just stop. Just stop. Or when he was trying to partner up with Juggernaut and he's like, we can make the whole world our bitch. And and, and, and and throughout the entire time, I'm like listening to this and I'm watching it and I'm like, I don't know if he's really trying that hard or I don't know. It, it was just something about him that I just didn't buy, you know, um... I didn't really connect to him as an emotional character. And that's another thing that I wanted to dive into. What Deadpool 2 lacked than Deadpool 1 did, it lacked emotion for you to try to connect to the characters. And I'm and I'm going to explain. Earlier I said this was supposed to this was supposed to have family elements, right? It was a it's a family movie, not a family movie, but it has the genre and it has the idea of family, you know, our F word or whatever. So throughout the entire time, as I'm watching the movie and I couldn't stand the kid, I didn't like him at all. There wasn't really anything for me to connect to him. Yes, there was a brief scene where he's tortured by the guy that he's trying to kill and exact his revenge. Obviously, he's a kid, he's misguided, he has no idea of what he's doing is right or wrong. He's driven by emotion, he's driven by anger, he's driven by vengeance, and he believes that by him killing off the guy that did so much pain to him, that he will be good, uh, he'll be, you know, in one piece or whatever. And of course, Cable comes back. Uh, comes to time, to the present time, from the future, saying, no, once he starts killing, he's going to have a taste for it, he's going to continue on, right? Okay, we pretty much know the plot story. So, we see this, but we don't really connect to him much more as a character on an emotional scale. There was a brief scene where Russell was tortured by, you know, the, the, the old man. 
the the pedophile old man. I don't. They made a lot of pedophile jokes in this movie as well. Like it, it was funny at first, but then they kept overdoing it, which kind of got a little bit old. Um, so we're just gonna call him the 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 pedophile leader, the pedophile guy. You're just gonna call him the old man. So the old man was doing this torture to this to to Russell, but. It was so brief and it was so quick that I really didn't care much about what was going on. I didn't have time to set in in terms of what was what was he, like what he was going through and I didn't really connect to it. If you remember Logan, there was a scene where Logan who he put on reading glasses cuz he's old and his eyesight is getting bad he's put on reading glasses he looks through the phone through the message of what the kids what the mutants were going through in their time of torture that was about a good maybe a 5 minute i don't remember the exact time but it was about a good 3 to 5 minutes of kids being tortured Laura cutting herself just so she can regenerate and, and, and kids being, you know, detained and, and, and electrocuted and, and all of this horrifying shit that you can see done to these kids. And you see it through Logan's eyes. You know what he's connecting. You know what he's feeling. Therefore, you're feeling it because you're following the protagonist. You're following the hero of the story. When the hero is in a story... And the protagonist is going through their adventures, their trials, their tribulations. You as the audience and as the viewer connect to him by going with him through this adventure. It's why a lot of times when people watch the movies, they envision themselves as that main character. I know you have a couple of times. I've done it a couple of times. You envision yourself as being part of the movie. That's why you're so invested in the movie. That's why you can't get enough of it. That's why you go back and you watch it again and again. So to get back to my point, the torture scene to Russell from DP from DP2, from Deadpool 2, was so brief and so quick, I didn't have enough time to digest it. Therefore, I didn't really care of what was going on with him. He was funny in a couple of scenes, yes. You understood his motivation, yes. You understood that maybe he is misguided and that he can have a chance to redeem himself if Wade Wilson can intervene and help him and guide him to become a good person, yes. But at the end of the day, you can't really connect to something if you've only seen it extremely quickly, you, you know? Maybe some other people can have a different opinion. Like I said, these these are just my interpretations. Um, with, with Russell, I, I, I'm sorry to say, I didn't care. I I really didn't care. I cared more about Vanessa dying than this kid, and that probably has large to do with us seeing the first movie, <clears throat> which she had a lot more to do with. So, I cared, a, I cared a lot more about him. Now, in continuing the connection element that Deadpool 2 lacked, Cable's character. Him coming back and him being the awesome badass character with him being an anti-hero first, like versions of Terminator 1, and then the rest was versions of Terminator 2, where he's actually helping the main characters and he's helping the protagonists, he's helping, you know... 
uh, Wade Wilson fulfill the mission and he's trying to take revenge for his family. That's all good. That's all dandy. And like I and like I said, we understand it. But there was no scene or shots of him spending time with his family. Like there was a brief scene where his daughter Hope and the mother hiding behind the table and then not even getting burned but he found their burned bodies i would have loved to see him actually spending time like a scene or something having spending time with his family so we can connect more in terms of why he's doing what he's doing we understand it but we want to know we want to connect to him you know what i mean like we want to feel what he feels we want to um we want our heartstrings to be tugged from time to time whenever we see a guy go through their revenge story plot every now and then we want we want to do that and it's going to take a lot more than a burnt teddy bear uh for me to to even fathom that idea if you remember we're going to switch gears here a little bit if you remember Batman v Superman there is a scene that, no there's not even a scene throughout the entire time Batman's moral code is, I will not kill, right? But in that movie, he mauls these people like nothing. He kills people in this movie. That's not Batman. That's the Punisher wearing a cowl or or or, 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 or some other badass person that just takes vengeance into their own heart. Batman, what makes him different from other superheroes is the fact that no matter how much, how tempted that he is, he will never, ever no pun intended, pull that trigger. He will never do that. He will never go to that other side. But in the Batman v Superman movie, he's mauling and he's killing these people, these criminals, like they're nothing. I would have loved to see a scene, something, where, you know, even Chris Stuckman, uh, a YouTube reviewer, said it best, where he goes, where, where, he, where Alfred would go, hey, Bruce, you know, you can't be doing this. You're going too far. And, and Batman would be like, well, they killed Robin, so I have no choice. Something, something for us to see so we can witness these characters and understand why these protagonists go through what they go through instead of us just filling in the gaps with our own minds. Seeing is believing, and we can come up with so many interpretations, we can come up with so many reasons, we can come up with so many justifications in terms of why a character does what he does in a particular film. But at the end of the day, we have to see it for ourselves, because it's confirmation enough in terms of our connection to that character. And I feel like that's what Deadpool 2 lacked. Um than what Deadpool 1 had. Sorry, I had lost a train of thought. Um, that's, to me, that's what Deadpool 2 lacked. The connection, the feels, the tugging of the heartstrings. You, you know, it's, it's little things like that. Um, whew. It's going on more and more. Um, one last thing I didn't like. Juggernaut. Now. He was menacing? Yes. CGI battle against him and Colossus? Yes. The one thing I didn't like was his mini, mini backstory, it, which, which was pretty much non-existent. 
Before Russell and Juggernaut team together, they go off to the orphanage where they're about to burn it down or they're about to, you know, kill the pedophile old man, whatever. And there was a brief conversation where Russell asks him, so your brother is, uh, so your brother tried to read your mind. I'm paraphrasing here. So your brother tried to read your mind and he goes, well, yeah, but he's in a wheelchair. So we're even now. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, what? No. Um, in X-Men, the first class, Magneto was the one that put him in the wheelchair. Wait, so, wait, hold on. Nobody has ever mentioned Juggernaut. I, in the comics, obviously, yes, they're stepbrothers. But in the movies, no one has ever really mentioned Juggernaut in being Professor X's brother. There was no mention of him, at least not that I remember. There was no talk of him. If there is an Easter egg about him, I completely missed it. You can let me know in the comments. Um, there was nothing like that. Also, by him saying, so we're even now, what, what is karma? Like, like he had something to do with, with, uh, uh, Professor X being paralyzed. Like, that line didn't make any sense to me. And if he's saying, like, oh, that's what he gets for trying to read my mind, yeah, you can make an argument for that, but it could have been worded differently. And I feel like that was a little, mishap from the writing team than anything else um it's the same perspective where domino uh goes to deadpool and she goes oh yeah now i know uh the reason why i'm here i grew up here actually no i was tortured no not grew up i was tortured and i thought to myself i'm like wait what because that line just completely came out of nowhere and there was no reason for her to connect to what was going on in the orphanage. And. If that was the case. Why did we get no mention of it before? Why didn't we see a little backstory of. You know Domino's. Um, lifestyle before. You know her joining up with Deadpool and the rest of the X-Force. If that was supposed to be her backstory. It was done very poorly. It was done very weak. And. To me, that line should not even have been there for Juggernaut or for Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool, Domino. Those lines should not even have been there. So that's that. That's some. That, these are just little nitpicky things, but yeah, I I just didn't like that at all. Whew. man, I need a drink of water. <laughs> but now that I talked about a lot of what I didn't like, now let's flip the script, flip that coin to toss. Uh, turn that frown upside down, all the way around, until the sun does down. Whatever. And uh, let's talk about the things that I did like. <clears throat> Excuse me. First and foremost, bigger budget. The characters, except for except for the kid, everyone was great. I wanted more Negasonic, uh, Negasonic Tage Warhead. Obviously, I talked about that before. So I'm not going to continue being a dead horse to a bloody pulp. What I did like... The post-credit scenes. Best post-credit scenes that I've ever, ever seen. With the time jump scenario, now that Deadpool has with the watch and he can basically jump through time in terms of fixing things that need to be fixed, there is a strong chance now that they're going to utilize that persona, not persona, that 
um, plot convenience in a lot of the things they do. And I believe, I believe strongly that that's going to be one of the plot leaks for Avengers 4. We all know about the deal with Fox and Disney and the fact that Comcast is trying to take Fox away from Disney. They uh, post a $60 billion deal and Disney now is trying to counteract that with an even bigger offer. I believe, this is what I truly believe, I believe the deal between Disney and Fox is actually going to stay because Fox knows that the business deal and the business decision to stay with Disney for their characters, for their TV rights, for their production values, for everything that's under those two banners, it's actually good for business. I think Deadpool is trying to take advantage of this, knows what they're going to do, and is going to utilize that time jump scenario and connect Deadpool with the Avengers. And if you don't believe me, let's check out some of the Easter eggs. A few days ago, James Gunn, the director for Guardians of the Galaxy, spoke to Ryan Reynolds through Twitter saying that he loved Deadpool 2, he highly praised it, and it's one of the best movies he's ever seen. And Ryan Reynolds goes, thank you so much, James Gunn, crossover, question mark. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit of a boner here. Hey, man. Who would not want to see Deadpool in a live-action film with him and Guardians of the Galaxy? With their jokes and equips, him and Rocket Raccoon, him and Peter Quill, or, 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 um, Deadpool insulting Drax, and then Drax being, being as illiterate as he possibly can, or, or Deadpool maybe wanting to, uh, um, uh, uh, seduce Mantis, and Mantis having no clue what the hell is going on, or probably would go with it, and, uh, and, uh, 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 Gamora wanting to, um, 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 kill him for whatever, you know? By the way, I'm all saying this thinking that they are going to come back, which in a way there's some form that maybe they will because it's already been confirmed that there will be a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 movie. So the Guardians is going to come back in some way. Like I said, I just don't know how. You can check that out in one of my early reviews for Avengers 3. Um, who would not want to see a crossover between De uh, Deadpool and Guardians? If you say no, you are a fucking liar. That's all I got to point out. You are a fucking liar. Everyone wants to see a crossover with those with, with, with those two movies. So, to make my point, the time jump um idea I think is going to be heavily heavily utilized especially next year. And even Gotham season 5 is talking about using the um the 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 time jump um to kind of rewrite everything of what's going on. By the way, I still haven't even seen all of Gotham season four yet. I I still have to go through that and maybe do a review on it. But uh, with Disney, I think the deal between Disney and Fox is going to uh be approved, no matter how much Comcast is going to. Uh, dish out all of their money because at the end of the day Fox knows what's best for business and ultimately they have the right to say no we're going to stick with Disney because that's where the money is I could be wrong maybe there, there are a lot of business suits 
that just doesn't care about what fans think and all they care about is the dollar dollar bills, y'all. But that's just me. Um so in continuing what I did like about the film, the fourth wall breaking. There was tons and tons and tons of fourth uh fourth wall breaking where Deadpool actually utilized it so much to his to his advantage. He doesn't really speak to the camera as much as he did in Deadpool 1, but he utilizes what's going on around us and what's going on that's mainstream in terms of inter interconnecting his universe with what's going on in our universe in terms of the real world. For example, uh, when he goes... I'm Batman, which is probably one of the best lines in the movie when he was facing off against Cable. Or he says, are you sure you're not part of the DC Universe? Or or one of my favorite lines, hey, bu- uh, uh, hey big guy, the sun is getting real low, which is an obvious line from Thor Ragnarok, which was hilarious when he was facing off against Juggernaut. Um, by doing that... You're giving Deadpool, the main protagonist, insight of what is mainstream and what is popular to the audience. Since he knows he's in a comic book world, he's going to mention things and lines and uh, ideas in terms of what is popular right now. In this case, it's the comic book industry. It's never been bigger than it has been thus far. It has never been bigger. You know, uh, since the introduction with Batman Begins and Iron Man and so on and so forth, it's huge. It's huge mainstream, and Deadpool utilized that in the writing of the movie. So I definitely give praise to that. The fourth wall breaking was utilized very, very well. Um, they're fanboys. You know, they they think, they, they say what fans are thinking. They use pop culture references for the audience to connect to the movie and for us to be like, yes, I remember seeing that. I do connect to it. It was an awesome thing. Um, Spider-Man does this very well too, because if you remember in Civil War and Infinity War, he mentions a couple of pop culture references. Uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. Aliens, Flash Gordon, and so on and so forth. So, by these characters, when they're making decisions that makes pop culture references and and breaking the fourth wall, even though Spider-Man doesn't break the fourth wall, but he knows what's mainstream as well. Not to mention, it is a Disney move. By far, it's a Disney move. Um, They're having us enjoy not only the content... But we develop more in terms of we love what we love to see. We we enjoy what we love to enjoy. And I feel like by incorporating what's mainstream within the writing of Deadpool, I feel like a lot of movies should do that. Um, even Tony Stark. Tony Stark make, uh, makes uh, small pop culture references as well. Um, off the top of my head, Avengers 1, where he goes, right, better suit up there, Legolas. Or uh, in Infinity War, when he says, uh, go back, Squidward, which <laughs> is fucking hilarious. 
<laughs> oh man. But uh them saying little things like it it's the little things that really makes a difference, especially when it comes to a comic book film, and I thought that was done very, very well, and it was one of my favorites, especially from Deadpool 2. Now I talked about what I didn't like, and I briefly talked about what I did like. I understand what I didn't like overshadows what I did like, but I don't hate the movie. It's just my personal opinions. What do I think they could do better? If they are making X-Force or Deadpool 3, which I don't think they are because Ryan Reynolds actually talked briefly about that on the fact that they don't know if they're going to to make a 3, but... um. If they are going to make an X-Force film, the first and foremost thing, you must include Stan Lee in the film. You have to. I don't know what happened with Stan Lee not making a cameo for this movie, even though he surely made a cameo for the trailer when Deadpool uh, used the iconic telephone booth that Superman did from the 40s. Um, I feel like with Stan Lee, like, you can't have a true Marvel film without Stan Lee in it. Not that, not that I'm saying that it hurt the movie. It was very noticeable, in a way. Like, the true hardcore fans, they noticed it right away. And you have to have Stan Lee in it. It's Stan Lee, the father of Marvel. Like, having him not be part of... A Marvel movie, and I'm not counting Fantastic Four, so don't even get me started with that. Fantastic, whatever the case. If it's not part, of, if he's not part of it, it's it's like oh my goodness. Uh, they need to go together. Stanley needs to be in the next movie if there is going to be a Deadpool three. I don't I don't know if there is. X-Force that has a better chance of actually forming than Deadpool 3. I gotta look into why they're having, like, discussions about probably or probably not having Deadpool 3. I gotta look more into that. Um, so what do I think they could do better in terms of the next movie? They need to have a good balance in terms of genre. In Deadpool 1, it was a love story. It was a linear love story. We understood the characters' motivations. We, we love the action, we love the thrill, we love the comedy. What I think they could have done better was the horror aspect. I feel like with Wade Wilson becoming deformed and the, the mutants being experimented on, I feel like that, that aspect should have done a little bit more. And like it, it needed to have a good balance of everything in between. With Deadpool 2, it lacked connection and... And the emotional feelings that we felt towards uh, the characters. We kind of briefly mentioned that and connected to Vanessa. But it was, like I said, it was so quick and so abrupt that we kind of just forgot about it. And with Deadpool towards the end where he was actually dying. You sort of connect to it in some way. And then... Um... I don't know, like, you would have to buy into the fact that Deadpool was going to die, and we kind of knew that he wasn't. Um, 
And by taking elements of Logan and Terminator 1, Terminator 2, and so many other films, you know, like maybe Frozen or Papa, Can You Hear Me? Whatever that, whatever that thing, that movie is from. It was, it was a relashing and, and a corroboration of all of those films into one. And it was good, but it wasn't great. And I feel like the next movie, the next X-Force movie, needs to have a good balance of all of those combined. Ooh, another buzz. <laughs> Phone is blowing up. But anyway, yes. That's what I feel like they need to do better. Also, for the fourth wall breaking, fucker, motherfucker, go all the way with the fourth wall breaking. Maybe have a couple of scenes where Ryan Reynolds actually grabs the producer or grabs the director in front of the camera. Or or maybe when he's interacting with a character or someone and then he goes, what's my line? <laughs> like, what, well, what's, what's my line? Listen, listen, listen. I pay you because I'm the star of the show. We know this. What's my line? And then the rest of the characters are like, who the hell are you talking to? Or, 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 he grabs a microphone boomstick from the sound editors and the sound guys and just starts whacking the enemy with it. That would be pure genius. Pure genius. So, maybe just a little bit more fourth wall breaking. Just, just a bit more. Just a little bit more. Like, like, if, if you're aware that you're in a comic book movie... Utilize the tools of what made the movie the movie. If you know what I mean? Ah, you know what I mean. But yeah, that's 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 what I would love to see. Whew. I think I've talked on for long enough. Um, I'm actually glad that I got to this episode. It's probably one of my favorite episodes that I've actually done. Because I dwell more, especially into Spawn... Uh, you know, in the part one of this episode, and now into Deadpool, uh, being an in-depth review. Uh, if you still haven't seen it, what the hell are you doing with yourselves? Uh, if you have seen it and you want to go see it again, by all means, have a great time. See it once, see it twice, and then get the DVD when it comes out. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in to episode 10 of OTC Outside the Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Garcia, and we will end this little thingamajig with a supervillain quote. The supervillain of the week. From Doc Ock himself in Spider-Man 2, which in my personal opinion is the best Spider-Man film out of all of them. Uh, it's, it's, I, I rank Spider-Man 2 above all of them, honestly. Um... This is when Doc Ock is speaking to Parker. He says, and I quote, Intelligence is not a privilege, it's a gift, and you use it for the good of mankind. And all I'm just saying is, since I'm going to graduate tomorrow, Doc Ock, those are words of wisdom that I will take for the rest of my life. Unlike you, though, I will not turn into a murdering psychopath that wants to destroy half of New York. So, that's just me. Hope you guys all enjoyed. Once again, you can catch me at TheMGMagnum on Twitter, MGMagnum715 on Instagram. Ask me as many questions as you want. If you want a shout out, uh, stay tuned for episode 11 next Tuesday night. Stuff always happens. News always breaks. Uh, I hope I 
continue to be as entertaining and knowledgeable to you guys as much as I could. As for write down, as for write down, <laughs> as that's that's me getting tongue tied. <laughs> as of right now, I am done. I am through. Later, peace.